Welcome to the AVR Podcast, where some of Australian book reviews contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name is Jack Khalil, and I'm the digital editor of AVR. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not subscribe to the magazine? If you're age 25 and under, you can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or just $50 for print plus online. The late Gillian Mears's two governing passions were horse riding and writing, passions that came together in the fiction for which she is best known, such as Rider Cock Horse and Foles Bread. Mears's life, from her childhood in rural New South Wales to her recourse to alternative therapies for her diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, has now been pieced together by Bernadette Brennan in Leaping into Waterfalls, the enigmatic Gillian Mears. In today's episode, Brenda Walker reads her review of Brennan's biography, which she describes as a mighty and populous canvas, charting the course of a writer who took note of everything – parents, siblings, friends, lovers. Brenda Walker has written essays, short fiction, four novels and a memoir titled Reading by Moonlight. Her books have won numerous Australian awards, including the Victorian Premier's Award for Nonfiction. But before we hear from Brenda, a brief word from Black Ink. Noel Pearson traces a life of politics, ideas and inspiring words in mission. Whether he is recalling his boyhood in Queensland, making the case for Indigenous recognition or evoking a reconciled multicultural Australia, Pearson confirms he is one of Australia's most powerful and influential thinkers and an extraordinary writer. This 600-page volume selects the best of Pearson's work to date, featuring indelible portraits of political leaders seen up close. Keating, Rudd, Whitlam, Turnbull and more. Mission includes Pearson's brilliant exploration of a voice to Parliament, which eventually led to the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And, in a remarkable new extended title essay, Pearson reflects on his life and work so far. Honest, provocative and utterly original, Mission by Noel Pearson is out now. Order from blackinkbooks.com. In 2011, Bernadette Brennan convened a symposium on narrative and healing at the University of Sydney, an opportunity for specialists in medicine and bereavement to meet writers with comparable interests. Helen Garner, for example, spoke about Joe Sinque's Consolation. The day included an audiovisual piece about death as a kind of homecoming, with reference to the prodigal son, and photographs including a picture of an elderly Irishman wheeling a bicycle with a coffin balanced on a seat and handlebars, austere and moving, a vision of careful final transportation. Since 2011, Bernadette Brennan has written two literary biographies, A Writing Life, Helen Garner and Her Work, which came out in 2017, and the wonderfully titled Leaping into Waterfalls, the enigmatic Gillian Mears. As with the symposium, each biography is a genuine inquiry, a gathering of unexpected elements, and an invitation to later conversation. Brennan writes of leaping into waterfalls as an extension of a conversation she had with Mears in 2012. Mears' biography is certain to be a talking point for years to come. Mears, born in Ganelabar, New South Wales in 1964, was intensely rural and Australian, but she always had an international perspective because of her parents' English and South African origins. As a child on a family visit to the Acropolis, she souvenired fragments of pottery. In her first novel, The Mint Lawn, which came out in 1991, she wrote that 
Growing up in a country town organises your childhood and your life, and how unfair that is. It traps you into peculiar patterns of passivity. Girls could only be involved in a limited number of interests, marching, sex, horses, Christian youth groups. In Grafton, Mears chose horses but also writing, conspicuously absent from this list of sanctioned activities. But she defied entrapment. Her horizons were broad. Late in her life, in very poor health, she drove long distances in an old ambulance, often camping alone. Her literary influences were similarly unconfined. They included Carson McCullers and Marilyn Robinson. Brennan notes that Raymond Carver spoke to her writing class at the New South Wales Institute of Technology, now UTS. In 1985, at 20, she married her high school English teacher. The marriage ended within five years, but it brought her back to her girlhood town and back into the complicated dynamics of her family, the allegiances of sisters, the seemingly wistful, kind father, the restless mother who died relatively young at 55 in 1991. In her self-described family essay, Southern Hemisphere Human, Mears portrays the centre of the family, which, rather than folding calmly round itself, seethes with angers and misunderstandings it sometimes seems impossible to bear. Southern Hemisphere Human is about a specific rupture in Mears' family, but one of the achievements of Brennan's biography is the charting of a family with deep and difficult attachments, hosting a writer who took note of everything, parents, siblings, friends, lovers. So porous were the boundaries between her life and fiction, writes Brennan, that during the course of my research I often became confused had I read about certain events or conversations in a story, novel, letter or diary. This porousness caused a good deal of distress to people who found versions of themselves in Mears' work or believed that she had appropriated their memories and material. Pity the ex-husband who saw blackness and dislike and resentment in a breakup novel, The Mint Lawn. Pity him further when you discover that schoolgirls carried copies of the sexually graphic novel into his classrooms, or that Mears sold photos of his grandmother to the State Library for inclusion in her archive. Mears's next novel, The Grass Sister, which came out in 1995, is anchored in the life she led with a woman partner on her father's property, living in caravans and planning a cottage. Mears was experiencing the early symptoms of multiple sclerosis, which would take some time to diagnose. It appears in the form of lightning-induced paralysis in her final novel, Foles Bread, which came out in 2011. Like the mint lawn, the grass sister is astute, passionate and revelatory. The novel generated a rift with her uncle because of her undisguised use of family history, and it also distressed her eldest sister, a fellow writer, partly because the title was similar to the name of the work in progress she had shared with Mears. Mears's use of personal material raises questions of tact, privacy and boundaries. It lies at the heart of her writing, but there are other, more valuable dimensions to her work. Mears had a precocious and sustained talent. At the New South Wales Institute of Technology, Susan Hampton noticed Mears's early capacity to structure narrative, her sense of the architecture of a short story, as Brennan puts it. 
the early short story collections Ride a Cock Horse, which came out in 1988, and Fine Flower in 1990, are remarkable for the cohesion of individual stories, for startling details, for truth of character, especially when those truths are grim, and for insights into rural life and the natural world, an ever-present quality in Mears' writing. The first two novels, with their looser structure, shimmer on the page. The style is acutely observant, witty, and sometimes whimsical. Both early novels have a distinct sexual frankness consistent with Mears' passionate life, but this may have been a deliberate, liberating strategy. In a speech Mears gave in Bangalore in 1995, she spoke out against the limitations and passivity imposed upon women. In The Mint Lawn, she writes about the difference between the narrator's life and that of the far older woman Letty, inappropriately married and trained and raised to suffer. Patricia Lockwood, in an essay in the 12th of August 2021 issue of the London Review of Books, writes about the Canadian writer Marion Engel's sexually transgressive novel Bear, which came out in 1976. There was a deep and violent sense of propriety that her generation just as violently was trying to cut out. The books are in hand-to-hand combat against that and ultimately they're a triumph. Despite the differing time frames and national contexts of Engel and Mears, I like to think of Mears's books and the books of many other Australian women writers of the past few decades as engaged in strategic hand-to-hand combat with restrictive proprieties. In 2008, Gillian Mears went to live in Mount Barker in order to train as a manor yoga teacher, convinced that the discipline would cure her multiple sclerosis and provide her with a teaching qualification and employment. This was not to be. The instructor was ultimately dismissive, the qualification was impossible to achieve, and her disability became more pronounced. Instead of teaching yoga, she worked on a story for children, The Cat with a Coloured Tail, which came out in 2015, and finished her final magnificent novel, False Bread. This difficult labour, undertaken in illness and solitude, resulted in a charming story, and a significant and still somewhat under-regarded historical novel, her best in her own estimation. Near Mears's house was a firing range. Brennan writes that Mears was a gentle-mannered person, deeply in tune with the natural world, yet she was drawn to the explosive power of a rifle. This is a good description of her life and one of the many contradictions identified by Brennan. Mears was, as Brennan suggests, one of the most important Australian female writers of the last 40 years. She was gentle, yet she could be explosively disruptive. I met Gillian once in one of Grafton's stately old houses, now a gallery with a good cafe. This was at the time when Gillian was living in a caravan on her father's property with her partner, who was a farrier. In the course of our lunch, Gillian told me about kissing the eyelids of horses. It must be done with great gentleness and confidence because the horse can startle, flinging its head up and injuring the face of the person who wishes to kiss it. The farrier was good at this, Gillian less so. It was a very Gillian story, horses and kisses in Grafton. She died in 2016 when the symptoms of her illness became unbearable. This biography is exceptional. In a writing life, Bernadette Brennan identifies the biographer as a literary portraitist 
who interprets a life through her own imaginative, cultural and political filters. This is necessarily the case, but leaping into waterfalls is more than a portrait. It's a mighty and populous canvas. I recommend it to anyone with an interest in Australian literature. Thanks for listening to the ABR podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 per month for digital. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Jack Khalil and Clancy Balin, who edit the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.